All right, going into the AL East, uh, who you got this year? That'd be, uh, it'd be hard to be uh, not looking at the Orioles. Um, kind of, yeah. I mean, the Yankees are always there. Red Sox are always there. Uh, you just kind of look around, and it's it's just such a dogfight every year. But I, I feel like the Orioles got some momentum about a year and a half ago, you know, and it's kind of the date that Rushman came up was the date that things kind of turning around a year and a half ago and, uh, or two years ago. Um, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to think with, you know, what the moves that they made, I think they'd be in a decent spot. I, I look at the Orioles, what they did last year. And, and I thought, I think it's not only great for baseball, but I think it's, uh, obviously great for the city of Baltimore. It's been, it's been a while. It's been a minute that you've been relevant. I mean, that's been a lot of seller dwelling for them, especially in that division. That's been so competitive now with the equal, equal uh, balance schedules where you don't play within your division, like you used to and beat each other up. It's a different animal. So it doesn't matter what division you are, the way the playoffs scheme is set up, but still last year they won 101 games and you know, people started to pay attention. It's almost like the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks have not been really relevant for a while. All of a sudden, they were on a national stage and were a couple games away from winning the World Series. Um, Talk to me about this Oriole team. I know, and the thing I'm looking at going into 2024, and it's a huge part of that bullpen, the back end of that bullpen, because it is a power bullpen. But your biggest power guy is Bautista, and he's going to be out. I know you've gone out and and made an adjustment, brought Kimbrell in probably as a stopgap until Bautista's ready. But just top to bottom, go over the Orioles a year ago, how they did it. Because I don't know they necessarily surprised everybody, the the, the teams that were on the ground watching them. You know, my brother in New York, he'd say, yeah. Brett, this Oriole team's for real. So those guys, you know, the players uh, – the opponents they're seeing what maybe not everybody else is seeing someone like you doing the games on a daily basis. Maybe it wasn't a surprise to you, but the Orioles to come out and win 101 games, I think it kind of shocked the baseball world a little bit last year. Well, I mean, everybody was always talking about the the metrics and the numbers and the staff ERA and everything else. And it was like, yeah, it's kind of average. It's not, you know, they're not putting up huge numbers. They were in the middle of the pack and ERA. Um, And I think, they addressed a little bit of that with, with the burn signing or the trade and right. getting a number, getting a number one. Cause I was, I was, you know, having watched them, I was a little concerned that when they got into the playoffs and you started to run into the top end pitching, that it was going to be a dogfight, And I didn't know if their pitching was going to hold up and it didn't um, starting wise. And then you lose Batista who is unbelievable in the ninth inning they put Cano back there, which is the obvious move. He was an unbelievable eighth-inning guy. I like the Kimbrel signing, and as you said, it's probably a stopgap for a year. They did, um, a lot, you know, kind of similar with me. I blew my elbow at 93, and they get Lee Smith in for a year the, the next year. Uh, I don't know, you know, Batista, I'm sure Batista will come back. That, that surgery and injury is not as uh, severe as it was when, when I did it. So, and I think, hate to say it, but I mean, Cano showed he's more of an eighth inning guy. And it's, there's, we've had 
decades of those guys that were great eighth inning guys. And then when the ninth inning guy gets moved on, because they're like, well, this guy's cheaper and doing the same thing, just find out that being that last dude in the line, it ain't that easy, you know? And I had a lot of really good eighth inning guys and, and they weren't ninth inning guys. And so there's a lot to be said to having Batista behind Cano and making that bullpen lock dead after, you know, after seven innings. And now with Batista out and see, you know, Kimbrell can pick up that spot, put Cano back in the eighth. And that was their strength. They were able to play a seven inning game and they were able to, you know, had a couple of middle guys, Cologne, um, Perez were all solid piece by piece guys that could get them through the sixth and their starters only had to do, you know, five innings. Uh, you mentioned Rushman. It seemed like when he got to the big leagues, you, you said you saw a uh, saw a change in Baltimore in the in on the field, especially. Does he have that effect? Kind of, you know, I'm trying to look at a bit of comparison uh, to Adley that's come along recently. I think of like kind of like a Buster Posey comes yeah. to San Francisco and he's a game changer. And and from the from the bottom up, it's kind of. It, not only what he adds offensively, I think what a year ago he hit 20 and 80 as a young player. That's pretty good. And, yeah. uh, but, but it's more than that. It's handling a rotation. It's being that, that kind of go-to guy on the field, that leader, you know, not in, not in, uh, things you say, but how you go about your business, total package. Talk about Rushman and, and a Gunnar Henderson, who's been a real interesting guy to me from the beginning, how athletic he, he is, uh, talk about their two, those two guys and, and their careers going forward. Well, I mean, Rush, Rushman and, and the Orioles have the numbers from the, the, the minute he came up. The, the whole record is unbelievable for the Orioles. And they were out of it by, you know, almost by the time that he came up. And he comes up May 20th or May 22nd, something like that, and really switched things around. Having a, a, a catcher like that, I mean, honestly, like your dad of just the stable, solid, influenced, controlling the game, and then to do what, you know, Rushman did with the 20 and 80. There's just a lot to having a dude behind the plate that will calm everything down in the minute that it starts to explode, uh, walks out to the mound, basically a timeout, basically a pitching coach saying the exact things that I need to hear in the moment that, you know, I, I'm teetering between being really bad that night or getting things back on track. And it's a, it's a one or two pitch window to get it done. And he's that guy, he's that guy in the clubhouse too. And then um, you talk about Gunnar Henderson, he was supposed to uh, had a conversation with him and his parents. And he was, you know, thinking that he might turn down the draft and come to Auburn and play. And I was like, dude, you cannot do that. I was like, you got to get this thing started. I had, um, uh, when I was doing games, Showalter was my manager in Arizona. And so I'd come in and, and we'd be talking. And it was two years before. And he said, we got to have a shortstop in the second round. And I was just curious. I was like, well, you know, it's got to be a college guy. He goes, we really have no shortstops in the chain. And it was it was a fascinating theory because the previous regime had really drafted corner outfielders and corner infielders and looking for the bats and they had no real true shortstop. And I was telling Gunnar, I was like, dude, there's nobody in the organization that's going to stop you from running up if you do anything. 
And uh, man, he ran up quick and rookie of the year last year. So thankfully I lost that mantle. Um, I think we were running on one of the last teams to, or I was one of the oldest rookie of the years, I guess. I don't know what it was, but. It and was, I think still only reliever to ever win it. I was one of them. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, I think Warrell won it in the national oh, league. I might be the only, Amer I might be the only American league, um, uh, rookie relief pitcher. Right. But yeah, those, those young guys have been great. Uh, they did a really nice job with drafting those guys early, getting them in the system and then, you know, going against what major league baseball has been doing a lot recently, which is keeping guys down so their clock doesn't start. So Rushman this year, he's going to have, as you mentioned at the top, he made the big trade for Burns. Um, let's go through the starting rotation for the Orioles this year. Tell me what what are the keys? Who are you got your eye on to see the you know what a, what a year more makes a year more of experience makes? Who who do you look for big? Uh, strides and and what are the keys for that Oriole team if they want to finish top that division because it's still a tough division you know you got the Yankees who got a little bit better it's all health with them uh, you got the Blue Jays who are really good uh you got the Red Sox I don't know what they're doing these days but they're really not making improve <laughs> like the Red Sox normally do and then you got the Rays who the Rays who are unbelievable just year in and year out. They're like, they're like the unicorn of baseball. I don't know. They, they lost glass now. And I'm trying to think they lost McClanahan who was going to be the Cy Young award winner a year ago. He's out to Tommy John glass now goes to the Dodgers, but somehow, some way the Rays will be competitive again. Like they always are. What's the key for that starting rotation? Uh, you know what? Grayson Rodriguez to, to take the next step. I think, um, you know, he had a pretty decent season, Really, they sent him down, I believe, in May, and he came back up, better command of his cut fastball, started using that behind in the count and getting back into counts instead of attacking somebody, you know, 1-0, 2-1, 2-0 with here's a four-seam fastball and have at it. Um, if he makes a step to, you know, being the number two to Burns, I, I think they're going to be in a pretty good spot because you're, you're sitting there, you're looking at Kramer. You got Bradish. They got rid of Gibson, who was 15, you know, 15 games. Um, it was just, you know, a whole lot of guys that not overwhelming stuff. I think Kramer did a nice job, and he, he's got a chance to get better with, with more work. But I just think it's it was going into the season last year, it was, you know, five guys that hadn't distinguished themselves in the past. And then Rodriguez being, you know, a rookie coming in. Um, trying to man in a pennant race and he's trying to figure out how to get guys out at the big league level. That's, it was a big ask. And I think if he makes the jump, it, it's going to be a pretty solid one, two combination with him and Burns. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American express business gold card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit us restaurants and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Talk to me about Means. He's a guy years ago I looked to and say, this guy's going to be a future Hall of Famer. Or 
at not well, let's not get ahead of myself. Not necessarily a Hall of Famer, but a future number one ace force in the Cy Young candidate or in the Cy Young race year in and year out. Talking about means, what do you expect from him this year? I think you know he got back into it a little bit. Um, you know, and that's that's a big step. What would you get back in August? Um, that's a big step coming off of Tommy John surgery. And I, I, I look for him to probably get everything settled in to start the season. I don't know if they're going to have him on much of a pitch count or a short leash. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they try to limit the innings this season or at least the first half of the season. But he's, his, he's one of those guys that I could never figure it out that he can throw a change up at any time to anybody and make them look bad. And you, you sit there and you look at it, and Booney, you were a hitter. I mean, I sit there and look at it. I'm going, how do you do that? They they know it's coming, and it's ten miles an hour slower, and it's got a little bit of action on it. But I, I was, you know, when I threw one, I was just trying to throw it at the knees, bottom of the zone, get you to hit a ground ball and leave. And he gets swing throughs with that thing, pitches up in the zone. I mean, even the changeup plays up, which is bizarre to me. Key to the Orioles in the AL East uh, 2024 season from a position player, from a hitter's type, what needs to click for this team to do what or or do essentially what they did a year ago? Well, you got Hender- Henderson's going to continue. You assume Rushman's going to continue. And, the you know, as we talked about, you assume that they're going to continue to to grow and evolve. Um I think you, you, lose Frazier, you lose Frazier, the second baseman, who was a veteran guy, probably had some some sway in that locker room because of his yeah. his travels. I, I liked him. I really did. And I, he brought a stabilizing influence. He put together some really good at-bats when they needed him. Um, I think the key for me probably is going to be Santander out and right. Is he going to continue to you know put the home runs in the RBIs and bat lead off? And then Mullins. You know, Mullins – has been a rock star for the last couple of years. And then last year wasn't Hit quite 30. Yeah. Right. Wasn't quite, but he was still a great, you know, great center field presence. Um, those would be my two keys. Probably, you know, if, if Mullins gets back into the form of a couple of years ago and Santander keeps doing what he's doing, and then you throw Rushman and Gunner up at the top of the lineup. It's, it's, it's got a chance to be pretty good. How's the back with with the exception of the Bautista or the Kimbrel option now until Bautista gets back? How do you look at that that bullpen as far as stacking up with with the rest of the league? I think it. I mean, if if you put Kimbrel in there and he's throwing well, you got Cano in the eighth, uh, and then you got a little bit of a mix and match thing with Cologne, uh Perez, left-handers coming out of the pen. Um, I, I think they got a chance to be as good as they were last year, but I mean, Batista, Batista and Cano and Batista were unbelievable eighth, ninth inning where they weren't blowing anything and they weren't giving up runs. And Cano had a run of not walking or giving up a hit for like 18 innings. It was, it was beyond stupid. And so hard to duplicate, you know, back end with the stress and, and a major league hitter in the box that's wanting to, take care of things, it's hard to sit there and go, yeah, you know what? I can throw up a 1-6 ERA again this year. That'll be easy. That ain't that easy. So if they're if they're stable and, and they got the pieces in the, you know, sixth, seventh inning spots and, and 
assuming a couple of the guys, you know, Kramer, Rodriguez, grow up a little bit more, it, it could be fairly fun to watch. Turning to another goofy subject. Uh-oh. I like watching – I don't have I don't have the uh, – what, what, what am I looking for here? I don't have the game that you have, but I watch you on Twitter, and it cracks me up. You have these dialogues. You'll have people chiming in, and then and then you'll give them. You're never rude. You're never dropping f bombs or anything like that. But you're subtly kind of edging them along, like, "Oh, I forgot you. You played in the big leagues for 20 years," and and it's that settled back and forth. But I always see Ole stirring it up a little bit. A little bit. Tell me, yeah. do you enjoy do you enjoy getting going back and forth with people on Twitter, and do you have accounts that you go to that that are your regulars, like your go to accounts? Uh, I got some guys I, I watch on Twitter, but you know, for the most part, it'll be, you know, like Jeff Fry will throw something on there. He he throws a lot on there about the gurus oh, about and the hitting and, and the teacher yeah. man. He, he's always yeah. arguing with him. All right. Yeah. So I'll end up getting, you know, some, some feedback down on something somebody's doing and I'll say something and then it'll devolve into somebody will tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm old. Yes. <laughs> And then, and then the the clubhouse part of me comes out, and I, I throw a grenade. Um, a lot of times, I don't. I'm not sure if they know it's a grenade until everybody starts chiming in. But um, I try not to be too rude. But every once in a while, when a couple of the guys, certified pitching instructors, tell me that I didn't throw my curveball right, I'm like, okay, well, what do you got? Show me. Show me a video. I can still spin one if you want. And I'm old. But if you want to show me a video of you throwing this curveball that I'm not throwing right and how you would throw it, have at it. But uh, it's fun. I, I, I really I do enjoy the people wanting to honestly learn something and the conversations you have about what, you know, baseball is. I try not to do what, you know, how good our game was. But um it's a blast. It really is. Are you are you are you lurking, Booney? Oh, I lurk. Yeah. I, like, well, I'm going to send this to you, and 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 when when the podcast comes out, so then you can make note of it. Yeah, I lurk, and occasionally you'll see me. I might drop a like in a in a lot of you know when there's a lot of banter going on. I just sneakily sneak in there, but yeah, I'm lurking. Uh, I don't I don't have much uh, to say. I get uh, I get but a couple I, guys. I, I get a couple guys that'll chime in on my thing, and it'll be like Todd Pratt or you know, right? A couple Glendon Rush. I'll, I'll I'll get like six or seven major league guys that something will get stirred up, and and they'll start chiming in, and all I'll just do is going, and another major leaguer agrees with me, and and right. just kind of leave it at that. So if I see Booney lurking, I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw a throw a little arrow yeah, your but, way and put one out there. I I. I, I I'll I'll get I'll come up with something. Um, the end of the day, you mentioned you, you got hurt in '93. You played for a lot of teams, but at the end of the day, you're an Oriole. You're the all-time saves leader. Uh, you're in their Hall of Fame. The city of Baltimore, um, the history of Baltimore Oriole baseball. Is it good to see that city? liven up with last year and and the current success that they're having is that for for a for an oriole hall of famer is it pretty cool to see that 
that city have a little life and people actually talking about the Orioles and actually being legitimate instead of, Oh, it's another basement dwelling season. It was, it was great to see last year. The attendance came back to like it was in the, in the nineties of, of where the house was full almost every night. The fans are great. Um, after COVID, you know, downtown Baltimore has gotten on the rough side and, you know, in and around the ballpark is not what it once was. And I'm hoping that with the team, the, the inner Harbor area, the downtown area will start to, to come back to life. Like it was, you know, when it initially came in in, in like 92 with the uh, Camden yards, but it's, you know, the, the fans deserve it. They're great fans. They show up when you put together a good product on the field. And, um, it, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was hard when the team was struggling and, and nobody's in the, you know, nobody's in the crowd. This was hard to watch.